0: Today on CityCast Denver. What happens when a bunch of lefty rich kids in Colorado start giving away their family's money?
1: I found out that I inherited more than $100,000. And from there, it kind of, uh, I had some time where I felt very alienated and very, uh, lots of, you know, shame and guilt. Spent a long time not really knowing what to do with it.
0: Their organization, Resource Generation, is helping inheritors of extreme wealth redistribute their money and smash the stigma around talking about inequality.
2: Because the silence around money in this country is what protects inequality.
0: Today is Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Let's see what's happening out there today. It's going to be hot again. Sunny and clear skies with highs in the upper 90s. Today's top story is a follow-up on our coverage of the debate over the future of the Park Hill golf course. The Yes for Parks and Open Spaces initiative will be on the ballot this November, thanks to yesterday's certification from the Clerk and Recorder's Office. That means all Denverites will have a vote on the proposed redevelopment of 155 acres of open space in Park Hill. But remember, this was the initiative former mayoral candidate Penfield Tate was pushing for on our show a few weeks back, and his group opposes any redevelopment. So before you vote, go back and listen to his episode and the one with the developers who own the land so you can make an informed decision. Governor Jared Polis has been touring the state recently, signing new bills from the legislative session in a series of scenic press conferences. We've already talked about a bunch of these bills already, like the $5.4 billion transportation bill Denver Post reporter John Murray broke down on the show the other week. Polis signed that one under a bridge near I-70. Earlier this week, Polis stood in front of a beautiful bit of natural scenery outside Black Hawk and signed into law the Colorado Outdoor Equity Grant Program, which will distribute around $3 million per year to get underserved youth and families into nature. So next year, hear me out, lawmakers... I challenge you to pass a juggling while skydiving act. Good luck, Governor. America has a problem with wealth inequality, and the pandemic made it even worse. It's obvious when you look at the ultra-rich, like Elon Musk, who saw his net worth more than triple in the past year and a half to a staggering $156 billion. But here in Denver, it's a little harder to see, and even harder to talk about. And what's harder still is trying to figure out the right way to do something about it.
2: Does living room with couch and some coats on the wall and whatnot work, or should I go sit in my car?
0: (laughs) Living room with couch and coats sounds great. Raisa Slutsky-Moore is a kindergarten teacher. And my other guest today, Neil Feldman, is about to start grad school. Each of them is also an heir to a Colorado family fortune. I invited them on the show today to talk about their work with the Colorado chapter of Resource Generation, a national nonprofit that helps young people with access to extreme wealth redistribute that money to people who need it. And you know what? After the murder of George Floyd and the growing inequality from the pandemic, more young people are flocking to resource generation than ever. Neil, Rasa, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks
1: both for having us.
2: It's good to talk to you today.
0: So I think to start, we really need to understand what Resource Generation is. Raisa, I wonder if you could explain briefly, what is this organization?
2: So Resource Generation is a multiracial membership community of young people with wealth and or class privilege who are committed to the equitable distribution of wealth, land, and power. And so that organization is focused around helping young folks redistribute that wealth and step into the power and also use all of the little class privilege strings that we can pull as we move to a world that ultimately gets rid of those unfair systems that we benefit from. And I want to be really specific about the fact that the people who are drawn to resource generation are not necessarily representative of the demographic of who has wealth in this country. So, you got a couple of queer Jews here. Um, and newsflash the people running this country are not all queer Jews, although it would be very <laughs> entertaining if they were. Only not because wealth inequality is awful. But so, you get in resource generation spaces, you get a whole lot of people who were socialized as women, you get a whole lot of Jewish folks, and you get a, a whole lot of queer folks. And I'm talking like 50% of a resource generation conference about is queer. And that does not represent the white men who have most of the money. People of color are also overrepresented in RG. They're still a minority because honestly, like racialized capitalism is racialized capitalism.
0: Hmm. And you two are members of the Colorado chapter of Resource Generation. And members are maybe their future inheritors of wealth or maybe they've already inherited wealth or maybe they're people who are making great gobs of money. I would love to hear a little bit about each of your journeys to this organization. And Neil, maybe we can start with you. When did you realize that this kind of thing was something you wanted to pursue?
1: It was like fairly intuitive that I knew growing up that our family like had access to more than what we need, but I don't think I really realized the extent to which we had been hoarding wealth. So I guess my my story kind of starts when I turned 21, when I remember my mom drove me to Charles Schwab in Cherry Creek and I just remember like getting in the car and not really knowing exactly what where we were headed. And just all of a sudden we're walking into this building and they're, you know, signing this big sum of money into my name. I found out that I inherited more than a hundred thousand dollars. And from there it kind of uh I had some time where I felt very alienated and very uh lots of, you know, shame and guilt, spent a long time not really knowing what to do with it and not really knowing exactly how to reckon with it or how to think through. And through the process, then I found resource generation a few years later.
0: Raisa, how about you? How did you come to resource generation?
2: I, similarly to Neil, had vague awareness growing up that my family was super comfortable on and I, After college, I was working and living in North Philly um, in a community organization. And whenever I would go home, um, I just emotionally crashed. Um, I think going from working with families with like $10,000 a year of reportable income to coming home to Fort Collins and you know, we don't want to cook dinner, so we're going to go out to this restaurant where we're going to order meals that cost $20. It was a lot. After a while, I decided to move back to Fort Collins. Um, And so I got in touch with the Colorado chapter, and that support has made such a life-changing difference to me. Um, Through Resource Generation, I have moved into being able to talk to my folks about that. I was able to ask them how much money they had for the first time, and get an idea of what was involved in their business, and what was stuff that my mother had inherited from her parents, and start to be able to really interact with that.
0: One thing I read about resource generation is that there's some effort made towards directing money toward to the people or to issues or causes who are harmed by the accumulation of that money in the first place. Um, Neil how how do you think about that in through your participation in resource generation
1: one of my grandmother's side of our our family um who's not ashkenazi jewish came from norway to north dakota and of course like they were in living in rural north dakota they like you can be pretty sure that they had a role in the ongoing settler colonialism in in that part of north dakota and so this is something that i'm wanting to do a lot more research about to think about like what what really are tangible ways in which the accumulation of wealth in this part of my family is is connected to ongoing land theft colonialism and racism.
0: Hmm. Now, something you touched on a few times there was was this was this feeling of like internal conflict around like your values being in conflict with this this status, this class that you have, that you inherited. And I wanna dig into that. Uh, So why are you sharing your story?
2: Well, if we don't talk about it, then we can't change it, right? And I think one thing that resource generation does when they're working with us is very consciously trying to go against the stigma because the silence around money in this country is what protects inequality. Not talking about it means that people don't know how bad it is. And if they really knew how bad it was, like they wouldn't stand for it. Like there's a reason that employers don't like their workers to talk about how much money they make.
0: Hmm. What would you say to the person who is just like, oh, these are, these are just rich kids. These are, these are white saviors parachuting in to, to fix other people's problems. What do you say to a, to a critic who maybe has that perspective?
2: I think that a lot of us probably have stepped in that mess before. That is one thing that resource generation really helps us to do, Uh, not step in white saviorism or rich kid saviorism. The idea is not, is very much to go against the trend in philanthropy for the people who have the money to make decisions about where it goes, because no, we don't know. (laughs) right resource generations guide to transformative philanthropy specifically says that money should go to organizations led by people who are living and understanding the problems and not us so we are we are in relationship and in accountability with folks who are not people with privilege none of us are free from making mistakes but we are working really hard to create a culture where we are accountable for those mistakes and accountable for fixing them in community.
1: Also to to add to that, I think a lot of it looks like relinquishing control of how money that is donated is spent and really like invest in like the collective safety and collective security and thriving of, of communities. And that that things like that are, are things that I think are our tools to really rethink how we can do our work without falling into the, the traps of white saviorism or class saviorism.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, you know, as I was preparing this, I couldn't help but think about Andrew Carnegie. Like, I, I'm kind of a history buff and I know Andrew Carnegie like gave away tons of money to set up libraries across the country we have um, we have one here in Denver. Well, it used to be a library. Now they call it the McNichols Building downtown, and it's just this big, opulent library. And and I think when people think hear that, they think like, oh yeah, that's great. But then maybe don't also make take the next step to if you pay for the library, you get to choose what books are in there. Like you get to choose what people read and like what they think about and further propagate this system that made you into Andrew Carnegie. Like it's, it's philanthropy is like such a mechanism of this, of of wealth, that it's not often recognized as such. While we're talking about Denver, I kind of want to hear more of the local angle on this story. I, I saw that resource generation nationally has grown during the pandemic as people, you know, recognize their wealth and power and class and all that. How has all that played out for you all in the Colorado chapter?
2: So honestly, Paul, we're not doing super well. Um, What has happened, there's been an an increase in initial interest in resource generation. um, But a lot of what was happening during the pandemic is that a lot of those who were of us who were already involved in the chapter were kind of getting pulled into other projects. The Colorado chapter is pretty small and has not been able to take advantage as well of that increase in momentum, but we are working on it now.
0: So I've got one last question for you all. And it comes from just an observation. Like I've seen in the last year and a half people all over the world really like have been affected so negatively by this pandemic. Like so many people have died. So many people have lost their jobs. So many people have like lost, lost position, lost status, lost wealth. But other people like myself, our, our positions have improved. Like, I'm sitting in my basement right now working a very comfortable job on Zoom and it's fine. So what would you say to those people who are maybe finding themselves in a better position than they were in pre-pandemic and are feeling a little bit of this new class consciousness or a little bit of this conflict?
2: I would agree that it's been increasingly difficult to ignore the disparities in our country these past few years. Um, A lot of people have been wanting to make changes in that. And I would add, on top of redistributing what you have, because moving money is good, um, really emphasizing that we also have political clout. Um, we can organize against these systems. And, you know, if you don't want to be all alone on your big comfy boat while everybody else is struggling, then come on down. We can take your boat apart and build a few... Few cool things for for everybody, and maybe even have a party on them. Or if you want to stay on your boat by yourself, okay, sounds awful lonely. But I guess I would also add, we're we're coming for your boat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rasa Neil, thanks so much for joining us on CityCast Denver.
2: Thanks, Paul.
1: Thanks, both for having us.
0: That's all for us today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute and tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then, I hope you have a really good day. It's going to be hot again. Sunny and clear skies with highs in the upper 80s. Nope. (laughs) Nineties. <laughs>